Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special spooky season episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie, and we are joined by one of our favorite guest hosts, Sangeeta. Hello! Sangeeta, you have been on many episodes. I'm going to try and list them by memory, but you've done previous spooky seasons, original Frankenstein, and young Frankenstein. Classics, both of them. Amazing. Um... You have also been on our It's a Wonderful Life Christmas yep. episode. Were you Christmas in Connecticut I was as Christmas well? in Connecticut. Okay. Were there others? Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. I can't remember now. It's hard because I know you've watched a lot I've of the movies Because I've watched a lot of the movies at this point. Yeah, there's been some. But I'm definitely, I've definitely done spooky season before. Yes. Very excited to do spooky season again. Yeah, and this time for spooky season, um, our theme this year is... Halloween comedies because Ian pitched scary movies again and I said no. I mean, as you should. <laughs> or you should say yes because exposure gets you desensitized. If there's anything I've learned yeah. over the last 18 months, it's that. You just want the downloads. Um <laughs> so this time we are doing the 1944 American dark comedy Arsenic in Old Lace, which is about a man who on his wedding day discovers that his sweet old aunts are actually serial killers and then chaos ensues. I mean, that's a pretty good synopsis. Thank I like you. the the amount of chaotic energy that Mr. Cary Grant was giving us. One was extremely relatable. <laughs> And two was a lot. The (laughs) number of times I just wrote down the word chaos in all capital letters as I was taking notes is high. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. We as a friend group have recently had a lot of conversations about chaotic versus orderly energy. And the consensus is that Ian is the most chaotic energy in our friend group. True. So unsurprising you related to this. I, I did. I did. And I also had... The same like heart attacks every single time with (laughs) Mr. Mortimer. It's great. Did you almost say Mr. Morris because that's the name of your cat? I did not say Mr. Morris. I was making sure that I remembered the name of this character correctly that I just watched the movie 10 minutes ago of. So yeah, we're we're there today. (laughs) Frankly impressive. Um, But yes, it stars Cary Grant in what I consider his slapstick comedy finest. Um, as well as a uh, more very talented cast who we will talk about at various points. It is directed by Frank Capra, who is not at all a stranger to the podcast as he directed It Happened One Night, which is one of our absolute favorites and one of our absolute favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. He also did You Can't Take It With You, which one best picture we've done an episode on. And then, of course, It's a Wonderful Life. And they have such yeah. similar energies. Like, I, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. He Few people do like screwball comedy as well as Capra does I think a couple other names you may or may not also recognize so this is two two seconds sorry you might say he's Capra the market on screwball companies no (laughs) did you just pause (laughs) you may not say that (laughs) did you just pause me in the middle of like my background role to make a bad pun yes Yes, he did. Oh, my God. Chaos ensues. <laughs> oh, my God. Sangeeta, at the end of this episode, there may be a body buried in our basement. There Either I died of shame. There may already be. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I will either die of shame or we'll just have to do something about Ian and his puns. Um, but as I was saying before, I was so... Rudely interrupted. (laughs) Um, It was based, the movie is based on a 1941 play by Joseph Kesselring of the same name, but the script was adapted by Julius and Philip Epstein, who we on the podcast would know as the people who adapted the Casablanca script. So, Mm, same good pacing. um, And I imagine some of that, a lot of the dialogue, if not all of it, was taken from the play, but. also top-notch dialogue in Casablanca, of course. They are definitely on point in this entire thing. The ants have such good lines. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, my God. Um, Speaking of the ants, Josephine Hull and Gina Dare, who played uh, Abby and Martha Brewster, actually like reprised their roles from the stage play. They had been in it on Broadway. And um, 
There are multiple references to the legendary Boris Karloff, who has, of course, appeared in many of our spooky season episodes. He, Boris Karloff himself, actually played Jonathan in the stage show on Broadway. Oh, so it's an oh, even funnier joke. That makes it even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I think there were some contractual obligations, so he wasn't able to, like, leave the run of, like, take a break from the run of the play to do the movie. So instead you have Raymond Massey playing that part, but with really great makeup that is very reminiscent of Karloff, particularly in Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Um, And then the last little bit of background before we dive into watch notes is that this is number 30 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Laughs. I like it. Yeah. It's quite funny. Very deserving. I literally laughed out loud multiple times. They're like good belly laughs. And they're belly laughs. (laughs) Yes. All right. With that, shall we watch notes? Yeah. So what, why did they remind me why they started with like a baseball game? I I think think it's to show normalcy. Oh, Oh. see one. I think it's to make fun of New Jersey, which I think they did. Yes. Um, And then two, I actually wrote, it opens with the chaos of a baseball game. Like I feel like it set up the chaotic energy really well. And then it like cuts away and you think, oh, okay. But then it ramps right back up 20 minutes later. Ooh, I like that read. Because in my mind, I was like, oh, they're just setting like everywhere else in the world. You've got baseball games. You've got people getting married. And then there are 13 bodies in a basement in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I'm with Sangeeta. I thought it was just a dunk on Jersey. But I'm, that's... Uh... It was also a dunk on Jersey. 100%. It was definitely a dunk on Jersey. <laughs> because they show that. And then they're like, back in the United States proper. Oh, so shady. But we get our character introductions of Mortimer and Elaine very mm-hmm. quickly. And immediately, Cary Grant's giving us the slapstick. So apparently, he is this like anti marriage columnist and critic, and apparently has published all of these works about why marriage is horrible and a sham and you shouldn't participate in the institution. Yet he is in the marriage office mm-hmm. getting a marriage license. Getting marriage license. For him and Elaine. And I do appreciate that the press is there. Like, is that who we think it is? Can we just talk about the creepiness of the press that like their first lines are like, let's just see if any big shots are getting married today. I mean, that's basically what the paparazzi do. I mean, it's so true. 1944 paparazzi right true. there. The precursor. Um, but yeah, we do get really great introductions to the character of Mortimer and the character of Elaine and their relationship, I think, right off the bat. And kind of they have almost this like sweet but also joking relationship mortimer is already having a crisis of identity that is only going to worsen um as the movie goes on um and you're you're establishing like their relationship i think it does a very subtle job of establishing elaine is like like subtle but also like tenacious mm-hmm. like yeah and kind of kind of patient with him so when she loses her patience later on you're like okay like you've driven her pretty far pretty insane yeah Um, ironically but yeah it's a it's a cute scene he doesn't want to loudly say his name but ends up loudly saying his name and then the phone booth thing like when you talked about elaine's tenaciousness the phone booth scene is what kind of drove it home where she's like i don't understand just keep talking to me. She lets him, she, she lets, lets him talk exactly. himself out of his own spiral. Yeah. Like he's sitting there being like, marriage is dumb. I don't know why we're getting married. Think of my re- like reputation, all the books I've written. Like I have no business marrying you and you're a reverend's daughter and you're from Brooklyn for God's sake. And she's just like, yes, Mortimer. Yes, Mortimer lets him have his spiral. And then like, of course comes back to like the, well, he loves her. So they're getting Which, married. Side note entire books about like how marriage is a fraud of an institution love it (laughs) (laughs) also i mean we are in the 1940s because like you know marriage doesn't have to be the end goal of a relationship obviously but like we're in the 1940s so oh he's ahead of his time yeah (laughs) that was a hefty tome that they had he had a a lot of hate for marriage he had a a lot of feelings he's writing another book too and the feelings just come out as the movie progresses Yes. But I, I do feel like kind of with the setup of the book or not the book, the setup of the movie, you're like, oh, is this all just going to be like a commentary about marriage, marriage and stuff? Yeah. And then it takes a turn <laughs> so quickly because that's they get back to Brooklyn. I think the setup's actually fairly slow. 
like they, I think they do a great job of setting up, like they are beating you over the head with the idea that everyone talks about how sweet the Brewster sisters are and how Mortimer's aunts are so sweet. He and Elaine are going to go to Niagara Falls on their honeymoon. He's got a taxi waiting. It's the whole like, uh, she's like, oh, I started packing the day I met you. And his aunts are like, oh, we already have your cake ready. And he's like, why did everybody know that I was getting married but me? And we're like, oh, it's going to be one of those movies. (laughs) (laughs) Until. (laughs) Wait, so how did that reveal happen of Mr. What's-His-Face in... Mr. Hoskins in the window seat. seat. Um, So we we do meet Teddy, um, the brother who thinks he's Theodore Roosevelt. We were introduced to Teddy. We were introduced to, like... The concept of Jonathan, the creepy brother who eats worms, <laughs> he used to eat worms, slices worms with his teeth. We're I not think sure if the... he ate them, actually. <laughs> I, in my head, he ate them. Um, and I also want to call out that you get introduced to Teddy, but you also get introduced to the, to the idea that he's happy. So we just let him be, yeah. which again, for the 1940s, seems very, very progressive to me of like. Yeah, his mental health is way out there, but he's not harming anyone and he's happy. So we're just going to let him do his thing. Yeah. And they don't keep him shut away. Like the ants don't keep him shut away or anything. Yeah. Um, And we get introduced to like the police officers who like do the rounds in the neighborhood who will come back. Um, But basically Mortimer is looking for the main. No, we initially get introduced to the body when Aunt Martha has come back. And Abby is like, dinner's going to be late because you are away. And it's like all excited and like sharing a secret. And then she takes Martha to the window seat. And there's some talk about like, oh, it's another one of their gentlemen. <laughs> that apparently they kill. Okay. And again, That's, it's, it's like a taste of an introduction where you're like, is that a body in the window seat? seat? And then it's confirmed later when Mortimer's looking for his script and he's like talking about a, I, the meta-ness of this movie is so good. They multiple times like have people talking about plays because he's a play critic. They even reference a movie at one point, but he's looking for the manuscript for his book, his second book about how much he hates marriage so he can burn it. <laughs> and then, cause he's a fraud now. Exactly. Much like the institution of marriage. <laughs> he too is a fraud, <laughs> but he's talking about a play he saw and he's like, Oh yeah, it was a murder mystery. And Oh my God, I wrote down the exact line where it happens. Oh, he goes, first thing you see when the curtain comes up is a dead body. And then he opens the window seat, like the beat afterwards kind of looks, closes it, walks away and then stops. And like the score immediately changes. And then he walks over and like opens it again. And that's where you, that's where everything changes for him. And you know, there's a body there, but again, the ants and how nonchalantly they played this entire, like, explanation of what they do they're just like it's you know our our service it's our little charity for lonely old men we poison them with elderberry wine because <laughs> there's and so a bit many... of cyanide and a bit of pinch of cyanide. just a pinch <laughs> just bury, a pinch bury them in the cellar which they let teddy dig the panama canal in and then they tell him that they are yellow fever victims and he's like, oh, no, I'll take them down at once bury them I quickly know. so I the just... yellow fever doesn't spread which we know the dangers of contagion now. It's true. <laughs> you got to bury the bodies quickly. It's true. Um, I also found it hilarious that the aunts kept track of whether or not their kill count were Methodist or Baptist. <laughs> oh, and that comes up again. They have such a... They're so old school waspy. And yeah. just to the fact that multiple times they argue about their kill count. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense, though, because you count think about the first it. one the who one had the had... heart attack. Exactly. Like you didn't actively. Kill I don't this think man. you do. But Abby thinks you should. I mean, so it's a round dozen. Exactly. Is he buried in the basement? That's the question. He, he is. is buried in the basement. Then I but guess did they actively kill him with their cyanide cocktail? No. But did they just kill him with their amazing presence and beauty and hospitality? He kill was him just with overwhelmed. Kindness. TBD. <laughs> Liter- literal definition of kill him with kindness. Jury is out. Um, yeah, I just, I want to talk for a second actually about Josephine Hole, who plays Abby, and Gina Dare, who plays Martha. The way that they are able to just hold tone for those characters throughout the movie while saying the batshit craziest stuff. Like, they always say it with, like, this air of just, like, sweetness 
and just genuineness and full belief that they did the right thing. You can tell they are in on their own like lies they tell themselves. Well, and, and it's such a good yeah. contrast to Cary Grant's like, yes, in well, his own brand of insanity where he's like freaking out, understandably, that his beloved aunts are serial killers. Yeah. Yes. No, like, well, but I think like how many people do you know who like do things on behalf of other people because they genuinely believe it's in that person's best interest, right? Like I'm going to do this for you or I'm going to do that for you. And I don't see anything wrong with it because I'm doing it for you. And they've just taken it to an extreme, right? But like, we all have family members who... I don't know. I was going to go for the basement. No, I'm just kidding. Oh God. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Friends or coworkers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to do this thing for you because I assume it's what you want. Yeah. No, I don't want a cyanide cocktail. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) I won't assume you ever want one. I promise. As your your friend and roommate. (laughs) Um, No, but it it is this idea of like, that's where the comedy comes in. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that they are taking the idea of like these comedy, Kind old ladies who would do anything for anybody to the absolute extreme. And it's like, there is the scene where Cary Grant's trying to explain to them. He's like, not only is this against the law, it's also wrong. And I don't know how to explain to you how (laughs) wrong it is because you're not grasping it. And it's just like, like it is absolutely not coming from them from a place of malice, but it's like the worst thing. Because they right. think they're justified. Yeah. Right. And they have well, no remorse. It, it's like my one of my favorite sayings about how the road to hell is paved with good intentions. <laughs> yeah. This is like em- symbol. What's the word? S- symbolic? Emblematic. Symbolic. Em- emblematic. Um, a quintessential example. Yes. A quintessential <laughs> example. English isn't working for me today. So my, my apologies. But when all of this is revealed, it is to Cary Grant's character's credit that he's immediately like, oh God, we got to take care of Teddy. (laughs) And that is like what he is running around and doing against this backdrop of craziness. I think, so his first instinct is that he thinks Teddy killed somebody. Yeah, Yeah, he's like, that's when he calls his aunts and he's like, I'm so sorry I have to break this news to you, but like Teddy's snapped, he killed somebody. And they're like, no, he didn't. He's like, yes, he did. Like there's there's a body in the window seat. They're like, he did. Yes, we know. Yeah. It's one of ours. (laughs) That's one of our bodies. And they're just so nonchalant about it. And then they talk to him like he's the one who's being ridiculous. Like they're like, Mortimer, don't be so inquisitive. Like, right. Now you know. And Teddy would never. Yeah, forget about it. And he's like, forget about it. Excuse me. Although by the end of the play, I would bet he wishes he'd just forgotten oh, about it for sure. Um, but I think then at one point he's like, well, I, th- I think he's going to pin it on Teddy basically. Cause he's, it's when he's kind of talking to himself and trying to figure out what to do. And he's like, well, everybody already knows that Teddy's insane. We're, we already have arrangements to get him committed. He's basically like, I'll just get Teddy to commit himself immediately. And then like, like it's solved and we're all like hey, not really not, not gonna <laughs> well, be what happens what's great is that while he is working through that an old man visits and almost gets killed again <laughs> oh my god mortimer saves his the guy's name's gibbs mortimer saves gibbs in the most terrifying way possible for gibbs yell yells him but off saves wow his life chases him off screaming chases him off screaming climbs over a chair while doing it like <laughs> harry grant physicality to a t and i think like there are so many scenes where he, his face just changes so rapidly and so comically you know exactly what he's thinking nobody says a word you see and then, every stage and of you the see meltdown. Every stage of the meltdown and the chaos on his face. And then you contrast it to his aunt standing right next to them with just the most benign, pleasant, like bland facial yes, expressions. Just the smiles plastered on. And the perky little trot as yes. you yes. come in and out of the kitchen. Oh my God. I, I want to talk to you about that scene with Gibbs and the wine because I think it's one, it's great editing. It kind of showcases the cinematography. We've missed black and white cinematography. I have. I don't know if you have. I've missed it. I mean, I missed 
basically all of not Boris Karloff's scenes. We'll get to the good shadows. We'll <laughs> but, get there. But I, I think this is such just a quintessential example of how good the comedic pacing is in this movie, because you've got, we've shown Cary Grant on the phone trying to reach Mr. Witherspoon, the head of the sanitarium or the judge. He's trying to reach somebody in order to get the papers for Teddy going. Mm-hmm. He's screaming into the phone like a lunatic. His aunts have brought the guy looking to rent the room in. They're talking to him. They have him seated at the table. He's in profile for part of it. They've poured him the glass of wine. So we have him in the foreground in profile. The ants behind him, like eagerly looking on to watch this man drink the poisoned wine. And then you can hear Cary Grant screaming off camera. And you have like the guy will start to lift the wine up to his lips and then Cary Grant screams something and he brings it back down, clearly annoyed until finally Mortimer turns around, sees the man about to drink and just screams. And that's when he chases him out. And I just, the pacing on that's perfect. They use like the rule of threes and the ants performance and their disappointment. And then the just glorious. pure petulance afterwards. Pure yes. When he's like trying to explain to them, like, you can't do this. And he's like, I have to go take care of some stuff. <laughs> I need you to just do one thing for me. Nothing. <laughs> Don't let anybody in this house. Just forget about it. But I do love that they did they nothing. They try. they try to listen to him. They clearly care for him yeah but they, they didn't lock, lock the their door, door. <laughs> right which so we, come on it's brooklyn lock your doors <laughs> no but they live by a church in a cemetery in a cemetery and they're, they're serial killers i was going to skill season <laughs> yes i was going to be like why fear the killer when you are the killer yeah. <laughs> right um, oh side note um before all this chaos starts, there is a scene where some trick-or-treaters come to their window because it is Halloween. And I just want to point out that Halloween costumes in the 1940s were terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Absolutely. And the aunts handed these children back pumpkins. Full carved jack-o'-lanterns. Full carved jack-o'-lanterns. Um, and I don't know when we switched from getting pumpkins from our neighbors to candy, but I much prefer candy. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. No, all very important commentary. And we definitely needed to talk about that. Um, I also feel like we should backtrack a little bit and talk about Elaine and Mortimer. Because they have that cute scene right before he goes to tell his aunt where she, he's like, go pack, whistle when you're ready. And they'll like whistle the wedding march. Um, and he's like, you know, if you see the pig streak of light coming through the door, like, that's me. Like, open the door quick. They're um, so cute. They're like, they very cute. They really love each other well, and are in it. And then when she comes over after he's discuddy- discovered the body and he's like trying to get her to leave, he's like, he's like, oh, go, go home. Like, go home and rest. And she's like, rest? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, the way he brushes her off is just. One hilarious to see. It's it's like dramatic irony at its yeah. finest, mm-hmm. but also her tenaciousness. Like she keeps coming back, which I'm surprised that after the first time she was brushed off, she didn't just like stay home. She's spunky, yeah, which I is why like we like her. But it is ironic because it's like the thing he's doing to try and keep her out of this mess and keep her safe is the exact thing that is going to make her come back into it. But also, like, how do you tell your newlywed? Oh, honey, by the way, there's this dead body in the windowsill and my aunts might be serial murderers. My aunts, your neighbors. Your, yeah, neighbors you've lived next to for years and years. Um, and also I have this Teddy Roosevelt in this house. I think she knows she knows Teddy. She knows Teddy. But like the aunt's just a blow. Yeah, like I, I know I agree. Like there is no good way to tell Elaine this at or all. Or really anybody. Or anybody. As we unfold throughout the movie (laughs) so we next big character introduction is jonathan and dr einstein so can we talk about the tonal shift oh my gosh it happens and a lot of it's done with the score shout out to my personal favorite max steiner i literally have a note that when i saw max steiner on the opening credits i was like yep I literally have a note when I saw in the opening credits, it was Max Steiner's. I'm like, yeah, boy, Max Steiner. Yes. Killing it as always. He weaves in the wedding march Mm -hmm. a lot. And then the way he shifts that score from sweet to sinister. 
and on top of the lighting shift because they're getting ready to go to bed and it's all darkened. And now you have the shadow of Jonathan and Einstein against that beautiful frosted glass door. They use that so many times from this point onward of like the, the shadow at the door, usually Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's beautiful, but he just lets himself in like rude. I mean, if you're first, Abby's going to go just straight open the door. And Martha's like, we promised Mortimer. I don't have fear for my personal safety, but because we made a promise to Mortimer. Exactly. (laughs) Well, they've got their cyanide cocktail ready to go. They're fearless. I mean, what are they going to do? I don't think that's why they're fearless. I think think they're crazy. No, I think they're crazy. Uh, but I think it's also this is, this is a good reminder that like this whole movie takes place in the span of one day. It's like a few hours. Right. Yeah. Like they get married in the afternoon. All this craziness happens in the evening. And now it's nighttime. We got half a movie to go. Yeah. You basically watch it kind of unfold in real yeah. time with like mm-hmm. a couple ex- exceptions earlier on. But yeah. Uh, it's great. So the they- set is perfectly laid out and decorated. They block around it. Just so incredibly well. I mean, it's it's adapted from a stage play, and I feel like mm-hmm. that shows in the movie, although they do do the thing that we always talk about when you're adapting something from stage to a movie where they do take advantage of like the cinematography and the score aspects of film to really heighten it. And they didn't just have one set. And it like, was more than right. one set. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't fall into that trap of trying to make it too small. Though it's still pretty limited. It is. Yeah. I was surprised we actually saw the basement, if I'm being honest. I, I didn't think we would. I halfway through my notes actually have a, oh, and we never see the basement. And then we did. And I was like, I forgot that we saw like the basement for a little bit. I'm really I, like. I don't know that we needed to, honestly. Agreed. Um, Though it has out, one of my favorite. side settings. Absolutely. But. I was going to say the basement has one of my favorite shots, though, with Einstein Same. on the staircase. Yes, on and the, the staircase. looming shadow of Jonathan yes. that's bigger than him on the wall. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. But getting to Jonathan's introduction, they do not recognize him. And again, shout out to the makeup. He's got the full on Frankenstein's monster like scarring and and the sunken Boris Karloff eyes. Well, and also just shout out to Raymond Massey for his performance, too. Right. Like he's doing the Karloff stare that Mm -hmm. like we talk about in other Karloff episodes. Like it's perfect. And like I said, Karloff did actually originate the role on stage. Um, But then, of course, they still got to make the references in the movie, which include I love the bit earlier on after it's revealed that Martha and Abby are serial killers where they're talking about how they took a neighbor kid to the movies. But next time they're not going to take him to one of those scary pictures because they shouldn't be allowed to make things so scary (laughs) so that when when they see Jonathan, they're like, I've seen that face before. It was in that scary movie we watched. And this gag comes back like eight times it's incessant Mm -hmm. and jonathan's so mad about it (laughs) every single time (laughs) and he's mad at einstein because einstein is the one that apparently made his face like boris karloff's plastic surgeon who loves the movie (laughs) who watched that movie before he drunk operated i mean but that's like einstein's mo that's why he was in an institution for the criminally insane I don't know if Einstein was in the institution, but Jonathan was definitely in the institution. But if you think about it, if you want to escape, like if you want to stay hidden, look exactly like somebody else and nobody will think you are your original person. Because nobody is ever going to look at a Boris Karloff knockoff and say, you remind me of this serial killer. You are always going to say you remind Remind me of of Boris Boris Karloff. Karloff. That's a good point. So it's kind of brilliant. Yeah. Um, but definitely a mistake on Einstein's part. But definitely a mistake on Einstein's part. <laughs> Played impeccably. Not Einstein genius. <laughs> yes. Played impeccably by Peter Lorre. He's so good in this. And there is actually a point in the film where I'm like, Einstein's the hero. <laughs> or at least trying to be. He's as close to a hero as we get, I well, think. Mortimer was it I mean, for a while, but they drove him insane. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, as part within these scenes, we do have some of Mortimer actually getting the papers together to commit Teddy. And the scene with the judge is one of my favorite because he is like frantically he being Mortimer trying to get the judge to commit Teddy, like grabbing pens, throwing pens at him. And he's like, 
oh, I'll go see your aunt. The judge is saying that I'm going to go see your aunt. And because I'm feeling been, a little mm-hmm. lonely lately. Oh, and that is a trigger because he's immediately like, do not tell them that. And even the the talking about alcohol and how he doesn't indulge except for wine. And it's like, no, <laughs> no wine, wine, no, no wine. wine. So uh, it's, uh, it's so funny with Cary Grant doing that. Yeah. And he, he, I don't know. It's again, the, the contrast with him against completely normal acting folks. It's just such a good yeah. foil. Because again, Car- Cary Grant is able to just totally use every single one of his facial muscles to convey that emotion. And like his just every muscle in his every body, like his, his body. physicality yeah. throughout the movie changes as he gets yeah. more and more beat down, except for he starts standing a little straighter when he has the like face off with Jonathan. Yes. Um I also would like to mention kind of as we start moving into the Jonathan section, like there are some genuinely like sinister, dark moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. But because you only ever see a body in profile or in shadow and there's like no blood or gore, it's still like they're able to keep the comedy. Like I just find that balance like so, so good because like Jonathan really is like menacing Abby and Martha. Like you're genuinely afraid for Abby and Martha. Mm-hmm. Like you believe that if they do not do what he says, like he will kill them. And that entire scene right after that judge thing that I mentioned is that where he is essentially intimidating them into letting them stay the night slash permanently. They do have some funny comments about how there is uh, the Panama Canal has been dug and it's like great hospitality that they just Mm -hmm. happen to have a space for this body that they are brought in from their car. Because, gosh, just like the the amount of like machinations and like perfect timings and like missteps that have to happen to make this work are great, but they all somehow feel so so organic in the Mm -hmm. script where you have Abby's told Teddy like now that Jonathan's here, we need to move the body from the window seat. They want to bury it in like Reed services. Because that's there, what Mr. they Hoskins. do. Right. Yeah, that's what they do. Because they're p- not. It's a service. They kill poor, lonely old men and then bury them in their basement. And get and, them. But they get them a, a service. Fun- funeral. Exactly. And they put flowers on the graves every Sunday. Their souls will be laid to rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No ghosts. <laughs> no ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow no ghosts. Um. So she's like, Teddy, I'll turn off the lights. You come up, get Mr. Hoskins out of the window seat and take him to the Panama Canal. So we have kind of all of that happen. You have the beautiful silhouette of like Teddy in the light of the basement door and then him carrying the body backwards. Why would you back down the stairs? Ian goes, that's an accident waiting to happen. And then guess what happens? An accident. But I think that's actually the (laughs) way you're supposed to do it. Because then if you fall... Oh, if they're steep and you don't have the railing the way those Interesting. do. And if you've ever seen women in really around, high yeah. heels going down a steep hill, it's actually a good tactic to turn around because then if you you fall for like you would fall forward on the slope going up. So you're not going to roll down Yeah, and you're falling less of a distance. I believe you, but I've never seen it, nor have I worn really high heels down a hill. So <laughs> uphill is always easier. Yeah. Huh. Absolutely. The more you know. Yeah. But he does fall down but the he stairs. Does fall. <laughs> but he does fall down the stairs. An accident does happen. <laughs> yeah. But we just hear the sound of that um, to break that very tense moment. Uh, meanwhile, just after that happens, Einstein and Jonathan sneak down and they're going to pull the car around the house, bring the body that's in their trunk, a Mr. Spinalso, through the window and take him down to the canal. There's the great scene of then Abby and Martha coming down and they like open the window seat originally to look at Mr. Hoskins. And then like Jonathan opens the curtains right above Mm -hmm. it. I love that shot. Um, But anyway, he and Einstein take Mr. Spinalso through while they are bringing him through. Who comes back? Elaine. Elaine comes back. But I do want to point out for a minute that. Einstein has discovered the window seat because he has this hilarious like, where am I? Oh, I'm here. He, fe- <laughs> he fell in it in the yes. dark. Yeah. But the great part about this is when the light gets turned on later, Einstein gets called a magician because he made a body disappear. Yeah. <laughs> There's just the one shoe <laughs> that had fallen off. But he's hidden Spinalzo in the window seat. So then while Jonathan's interrogating, I do love the way the scene is blocked with Jonathan interrogating Elaine as he's trying to figure out where mm-hmm. Einstein put the body. And Elaine, oh, she almost gets out. Almost. 
then she admits she saw the car. Exactly. Well, how did she end up getting out of that? Is it because Mortimer came home? Mortimer comes out and she's broken out of the the basement. Mortimer comes back and she like breaks out of the basement. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. I sorry. I yeah. couldn't quite remember yeah. how she, she got out of Jonathan's. down there. It's basically bodies, musical chairs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with all the shuffling and pausing and then reshuffling and then pausing and then more shuffling. Yeah. But then finally <laughs> Mortimer shows up. Um, and then the police show up. And Elaine's upset because Jonathan and Einstein tried to kill her. The ants are upset because Jonathan now wants to bury um, a stranger in their basement. There is the bit where Spinalzo is in the window seat and Mortimer goes over there and like does his little like, maybe if I look, it'll be gone. Like maybe this is hallucination <laughs> or a dream or something. And then he looks and is like, that's not the same person who was in there. Calls his aunts in and Abby's just, well, who's that? Who can that be? This man is an imposter. Imposter. <laughs> Mortimer, how can I believe you? You don't think I'd stoop to telling a fib, do again, you? Again, the writing is fantastic. And again, your point about the delivery being so earnest. Yeah. It makes it all the better. She's not ins- they believe. Yeah. Like she's she's not insulted that he thinks she would kill someone. She's done no. it before. She's insulted that he thinks she would lie about it. What a black mark on her integrity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know if this man is lonely or not. And no. then yeah, and there's the amazing piece where Mortimer is trying to get Jonathan to leave. Because he's not convinced it's that the ants didn't kill the guy. And then Abby brings Martha in to be like, look at the imposter in our window seat. Everyone just thinks they can walk in this house all the time. And Jonathan and Mortimer are both running across the set to sit on the window seat at the exact same time. And then just the realization on Mortimer's face of, oh, Jonathan put this body mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I have leverage. Peak Mm -hmm. Cary Grant there. That is probably my favorite moment of his in the entire movie. Or favorite expression, I should say. Because it's spectacular. But it's because the realization you can literally see it dawn from the top of his head all the way down his body to the floor. Just like stage by stage until he gets up and he goes, well, Jonathan, you explain this. Yes. Because now he's got leverage. This is where he's standing a little bit taller. I do love also the first time he sees Jonathan when he comes in and goes, what's that? Yes. <laughs> oh, and then makes another Boris Karloff reference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Jonathan almost goes after him. Um, yeah. I think the next big scene, well, it's not big, but next vignette I want to talk about is the uh, one-upmanship between the ants and Jonathan. Well, so before that happens, the police show up. Oh, yes, you're right. The playwright policeman. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that thing to poor, poor Mortimer, where it's like, I have all these thoughts, but I can't spell them. <laughs> right. He's like, I'm great at spelling. <laughs> got wonderful ideas, but I can't spell them. Um, Which, let's be real. We I know. sometimes have wonderful ideas we can't communicate. So true. But that leads to this beautiful juggling of these two like groups of people that Mortimer is trying to do. And just seeing his effort is a treat. You feel kind of bad for him, but not really. You're mostly laughing at him. Yeah. So he's trying to keep the cop on premises. So he's like acting interested in the play and being like, I'll help you using that to threaten Jonathan to say like, I, if you and I, Dr. Einstein don't leave, I will show him the body. Like you will go to jail. Um, he's pulls the to like, which Jonathan calls bet and says, if you show him this body, I'll show him the other body. Because in while, the basement. while the cop is in the kitchen with Mortimer and the ants, Dr. Einstein's like, you are not going to fucking believe this. There's an ace in the hole. There's a body down here, which Jonathan assumes is Mortimer, Mortimer. has killed somebody. I think at some point Mortimer Lee, what, like he, he gets the cop the out of there and he has to go get the doctor to sign Teddy's papers. Because meanwhile, while all this is happening, Mortimer's on the phone with like Mr. Witherspoon at the sanatorium trying to get the papers done. There's so many te- Theodore yeah. Roosevelt's. I love the bit where here, yes. yeah, Mr. Witherspoon's like, we have several Theodore Roosevelt's. We're a little short on Napoleon's though. Like, could <laughs> he think he's someone else? <laughs> But he's so happy that I love yeah. I love that comment yeah. that they made about how Teddy is so happy being Theodore Roosevelt. Yes. Like who they tried to make him Washington for a minute, but he just pouted and then there's nobody did, under there was his nobody bed. Nobody for three right. days. Yeah. <laughs> um 
but yeah, so you have that happening and then you have the the sort of body count competition between the ants and Jonathan. And the again, Raymond Massey kind of does the exact same thing that Cary Grant does. Like they go through the same stages of what the fuck when they realize that it's the ants who have killed yes. people or not only killed one person, but multiple people. But oh. 12. <laughs> Which, coincidentally, is the same kill count <laughs> that, that Jonathan, Jonathan has. has. But they did it all in Brooklyn. But they did it all in Brooklyn from the comfort of their home. The old so ladies are as good as Jonathan, as maybe, Dr. Einstein points out. Maybe better. Arguably better, because they're not on the lam. Because they're not on the <laughs> <laughs> they, they have not gotten caught until now. But um, again, the oh. so that conversation that happened earlier about was it 11 or 12 and they had to justify the first one. Same thing happens with, uh, I about called him Larry, Johnny. And why, I don't know where Larry okay. came from. Johnny and Einstein where he's like, no, you can't count that last guy that he died of pneumonia. He's like, but he wouldn't have died of pneumonia as I shot. Like they have the same bickering that happens. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh my God, the parallel is so good. And the ants just being so proud of themselves. And, like, so proud of themselves. But not quite smug. So you still like that they're proud of themselves. Right. Because, again, they believe they are doing good. They're so insane. Like, they're just so clearly insane. But Jonathan decides that he can win the kill count competition by just adding another body to his list, that body being Mortimer. He wishes. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mortimer is trying to talk to Elaine and be like, I know you've come over several times and I have physically removed you from the house, um, which is uh, uh, Priscilla Lane and Cary Grant, I feel like, play off each other so well. Um, Are they together in anything else? I don't think so. What a they're shame. Good. They're good. Yeah, they're great together. I love the way they, like, their energy feeds off of each other. Um, but so he he finally goes to try and make up to Elaine. I My favorite line, I think, in the whole movie is when he's... He's telling her, like, I don't think I can marry you because insanity runs in my family. It practically, practically gallops. gallops. <laughs> I died laughing. But uh, was that against a backdrop of the ants, like, singing their services? Singing their funeral services and the doctor that Mortimer has finally brought oh, over right. having a conversation with Teddy, who's talking about, you know, his next election and this and that in a cemetery on Halloween night. So does insanity gallop in his family? Arguably, yes. Yes. (laughs) I also love with Teddy that he's kind of unmoored from the Theodore Roosevelt timeline. Like he he skips around. Mm -hmm. He will like talk as Theodore Roosevelt about like knowing that like, oh, like with the election, like I'll run a third time, but I won't be elected. Like, or the comment that he made to Einstein about how, oh, this picture hasn't been taken yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. It's I, I love that bit. Um, and I think John Alexander, who plays Teddy Roosevelt, is like the perfect casting. I believe he was actually in the Broadway play as well. He knew what he was doing, sort of like the ants did. Like, I don't know what it is about those three folks, but they're just... You can tell they have this like calm confidence. It's an orderly insane. It's, it's not a chaotic right. insane. Yeah. And it's a very confident insane. Right. Um, Which I makes the chaotic the f- right. saneness of Mortimer really fun. Right. Oh, yeah. And so much better with the final reveal. And I think every time. Yeah. Every time Teddy charges up the stairs, he just commits to it so fully. I think he is going to run into a door and he never does. Yeah. It's so, just so it good at it. Looks so practiced. Right. Like you're like this happens every because, single yeah, time. Yeah, no, you can tell that he has charged up these stairs ten times a day for twenty years. I love <laughs> that even if he stops halfway down the stairs, he has to go all the way to the bottom to get the full charge going back right. up. It's so good. So after, um, after telling Elaine that he probably can't marry her because he. Insanity runs. It's, in his it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And let's be real, the amount of trauma he is enduring today <laughs> might just break him. Uh, he goes back home. Uh, Jonathan and Einstein are there. They tie him up. This is where Einstein's trying to be the hero, though, right? He's he's like, I don't like where Jonathan's at. Every time this happens, it's horrible. We've had the scene in the basement with all the great shadows. But and his he's line. trying to get uh, Mortimer to leave. Mm-hmm. 
And and he says that when you make up your mind, you lose your head. Yes. It's just so great. I think I watched this all three simultaneously. Like that line happened and we all immediately started writing. Oh, it's the best. But uh, they've introduced the Melbourne method, um, which apparently is a very painful and long drawn out way to kill somebody, Mm -hmm. which I kind of love how we have no idea what the Melbourne method is, but we fear it. Yeah, because of Einstein's reaction right. to mm-hmm. it. And yeah. the fact it has a name. Yes. Like. Right. <laughs> and we all know that Australia is crazy. <laughs> like, yes. Everything in Australia is oh, dangerous. I thought you were going to say Florida, but also <laughs> crazy. Oh, Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne in my head went to Australia. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't there like a part of Australia too? I don't remember what it part that had like so many serial killers or something. I mean, oh, wait, it really? is a country I don't, of Yes, I don't know if criminals. it was Melbourne. I don't know if it was Melbourne though, but um, anyway. Um, yeah, so we all, we get another very meta scene. Well, I, this is, they've done this a couple times where yeah. they talk about like the spooky, scary stage play Yeah, mm-hmm. that is literally going on as mm-hmm. they are narrating it. And the way this is set up and shot. Also, I do want to point out that like when they shoot Jonathan a lot, they shoot extreme close-ups, um, which they don't do with pretty much any other character. It's very Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Um, but they have Cary Grant refusing to leave as Einstein's trying to like get him to go. At one point he's, I th- what is it? Einstein's like basically saying like, you know, if you were in danger and someone was trying to tell you like you leave, right? Like people, people are smart, you know, to run. And he's like, no, people are stupid. For instance, take this play I saw. He's like, or any movie you've seen too. They like throw a movie in there at some point, but he's talking about how this guy's like in a house with a murderer. He knows the guy's a murderer. Is he scared? No. Meanwhile, you see Jonathan coming up from the basement stairs as we know he mm-hmm. wants to kill Mortimer. And then Mortimer's like, you know what he does? This fuck. He sits down in a chair, like totally unaware. That Mortimer the- <laughs> sits down in a chair <laughs> and Einstein can see both him and Jonathan. You can tell that he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You should really leave. And what happened? How did he get trussed up? Oh, the curtain. Oh, they used the curtain. He gave oh. Jonathan the way to tie him up. Can we talk about the editing though? When that happens, he's like, and do you know like how they tied him up? And it cuts that close up on Jonathan, like watching, listening to Mortimer. He goes, they used the curtain ties and you just see his eyes flick to the curtains as he goes and starts cutting them down <laughs> as Mortimer continues. And then my favorite piece of that is when, oh, and the physicality that Cary Grant uses is when he turns as if he's about to look over his shoulder and see Jonathan cutting down the curtains. And but he does goes, not. He does not look over his shoulder, though he is poised to do it. And he's like, and does this guy in this play, like all he has to do is turn around and he'd see everything going on. But does, but he? does he? No. <laughs> <laughs> so well put together. Oh. And then he's tied up like full on hogtied and gagged. Can't say a word. And we get introduced to the Melbourne method. Or we almost get introduced. Almost. Get almost. Melbourne method. Thank goodness we did. Because Teddy and his trumpet. <laughs> Oh, but Ted, well, oh, all of the tension Teddy in almost scene. doesn't. It's like both yeah. a rescue and a ruination of a rescue. Fair point. Because multiple times we've had the elderberry wine brought out and like we had Gibbs almost drinking it. There's right within the scene with Gibbs. There's a moment where Mortimer almost drinks it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so we've also established um, Dr. Einstein's alcoholism. At one point, Mortimer had stolen his flask because he's like, I really need this right now. Um, So Einstein's out of booze. You've got the creepy lighting. You've got Mortimer trussed up. They're about to start like the Melbourne method. You've got like those really awful looking implements Mm -hmm. that they've shown you. And then you have Dr. Einstein being like, if we're going to do this, I need a drink. But his flask has run out. And he's like, oh, wait, remember when we arrived, there was some wine on the table. Oh, and Cary Grant's shift. I was like, dude, play it cool. Do not ruin this. You just have to watch. Just being like, (laughs) this is my chance. So they get the wine. They've got the wine. They look like they're about to drink it. You've got the tension. Then Jonathan stops and is like, oh, no, we need to toast Mortimer. And there's the great shot of them clinking the glasses in front of his eyes and his eyes go crossed. Oh, God. And he's got the like slightly crazy eyes that Teddy has. Yeah. Yep. 
And then it's them raising it to their lips. And just as they're about to drink and we're like, Mortimer's going to be saved by this fucking wine. Bugle blow. And they drop the glasses. (laughs) Okay. But I, I didn't really realize it until now that while Teddy kind of ruined this rescue, he accidentally created the real rescue. Yeah, exactly. Which I love because apparently this bugling has been a massive complaint of the neighbors, which, which I'm also like, how do you hear that outside of the house? But it's a lot of fucking anyway, bugle. Thin walls. Apparently. Not a lot of insulin. I guess we did. Insulation. Hear- <laughs> insulation. <laughs> insulin. <laughs> Oh, boy. God, none of us can spell today. (laughs) (laughs) That's glorious. (sighs) But that's what gets the cops ultimately there in the end. So I kind of love how this is all working. First, you have playwright cop come back and he's like, you stood me up at this bar. And then he sees Cary Grant tied up, goes to untie him. And it's like, no, wait a second. You're literally a captive audience. You get to listen to my plot. My very meandering plot, Which, by the way. We then have Jonathan coming down the stairs again with the knife as Einstein's trying to stop him from killing this cop. As the cop describes in act one of his play, how he thinks he's following someone, but they're actually following him. And there's a guy behind him with the knife. Einstein clocks Jonathan on the head with his shoe. Einstein to the rescue. I know. Finally. Again, this is why he's maybe a hero. <laughs> also, <laughs> also hero? part of the problem. Well, <laughs> yeah. Maybe a hero. Maybe. This was his breaking point. It was a lot of people's breaking point, let's be honest. Jonathan collapses and more police show up. (laughs) Yeah, because it was... What's his face? The the cop, the playwright cop, didn't call in, so... Yeah, people were looking for Mm -hmm. him. But this is where there's a whole bunch of... In general, this movie moves very quickly. And a lot goes on in a very short amount of time. Like that is very stage play to me um, in a good way. But kind of the way that I see this next like group of scenes is the slow realization that one, they have a big fish on their hands that they have just captured. And two, complete and utter disbelief and like, oh, about anybody saying that there are 13 bodies in the basement. Which multiple people say there are 13 bodies in the basement. Including Teddy. Yes. Correct. And every time, every single time, you can see that Mortimer is just there being like, no, 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 no. Don't mention the bottom. (laughs) He doesn't even use words. No. He can't even use words anymore. He doesn't have to use words, though, is the beauty of it. But you have, yeah, you have, so you have those other cops come in. You have, I guess, like the inspector, the police inspector come in who was actually coming to deal with the bugle thing. He's like, you know, I told you I would take care of this personally. Mm -hmm. They realize, um, who Jonathan is because Jonathan wakes up and basically is like, so you've caught me. And they're like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, And then the inspector's like, dude, that's like, that's the guy that we got the broadsheets for that basically like he's described as looking like Boris Karloff because there's a big fight because one of the cops calls Jonathan Boris Karloff. (laughs) He's like, you idiots. This is the guy. It's great. But that's when, again, Jonathan tries to say, like, come look at the basement. But yeah. his temper gets the best. When I love during the fight, how Carrie Grant's just given up. Mortimer's done. Oh, is this when he's just like sitting on he's the stairs? sitting on the stairs, just Smoking. going, please fight. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. Right. At one point, at one point he just like waves his hands, like, he's, just fight. He's, <laughs> he has waved the white flag. He's trying Whatever to call happens, happens. Mr. Witherspoon, he I think. He just needs his brother to go to Happydale. I love the bit where Jonathan's going to try and brain one of the cops with the phone. So he's lifted it back and Mortimer's like, oh, thank you. And then starts dialing. <laughs> and then one of them hits Jonathan. He catches the phone. Like He's along for the ride at that yeah, point. He's still got part of the rope tied around his <laughs> neck. Like it's, yes, he's completely disheveled. Uh, but Witherspoon does finally yeah. arrive. I would like to point out, so I actually watched this movie twice. I watched it right before we recorded and I watched it on Friday. Sangita came home like when I was at the end of the movie on Friday to a shot of Cary Grant sitting on the stairs at that moment. Sitting on the stairs with a noose, his like shirt unbuttoned, disheveled hair everywhere, (laughs) sitting on the steps, so defeated. And there's like like a fight like chaos beneath him and i just went and <laughs> when we watch this movie it'll make sense to you how this man got here right and it does and it does <laughs> absolutely 
I see how I would get to that position. Oh, yeah. Were I, I in his shoes? I would have been there so much sooner. Yeah. I would have left much more quickly than he did, meaning because he didn't leave at all. I think I probably <laughs> yeah. would have like opened the thing, seen the body there and been like, that's a tomorrow problem. Right. <laughs> I'm going Especially to Niagara Falls. it's his wedding night. Yeah. Well, he, he told his wife to go, go rest on his wedding night. That's fine. But if she's resting, I'm resting too. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, is some more comedy around Teddy's character with Witherspoon there because he apparently signed the papers to commit himself as Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt, which one I love. But the solution to it is even better because he's like, oh, you should use Brewster. It's code for Teddy Roosevelt. And then goes through these like word gymnastics to like justify it clearly on like, the fly. Like QAnon level word gymnastics. <laughs> <by> <laughs> yes. <the way. laughs> yes. It was spectacular to behold. He is committed. Now, the thing that like hammered home, not that we didn't already know that the ants were insane, but they're like, we want to go with. Well, if- because this is when Jonathan has been like, there are 13 bodies in the basement and the guy's like. At first, you think the inspector is going to believe him. And Mortimer also thinks the inspector is going to believe him. And the inspector is like, no, you know what? This guy escaped from a prison for the criminally insane. Like, it's a late night. I haven't gotten to rest for 48 hours. I believe almost anything. He's like, including that there were 13 bodies in the basement. Cue Taddy and... Cue Taddy entering being like, there are 13 bodies in the basement, (laughs) all yellow fever victims. And that's when they have to tell him that uh, Jonathan is a spy, not a yellow fever victim, (laughs) which uh, the way that everybody just rolls with that. uh, Well, and the local police, you can tell that they've had to deal with Teddy many, many times because they just go with it. Yeah. Um, And then you have the ants entering being like, I can't remember what it is that brings them back, but somebody says something's about the 13 bodies in the basement and they're like, there are, but then they're very indignant that Mr. Spinalzo is down there because he's not one of theirs. Right. (laughs) Only nice gentlemen. Only only nice gentlemen. (laughs) So then they're like, just ask our nephew Mortimer. He can tell you. And Mortimer's like, I just, I just want this to be over. (laughs) Okay. But the, again, is this irony? I don't know if it's irony. Sorry if I'm misusing this term, but he then goes insane, like tries to act insane and talk about the bodies in the attic to like offset and do this red herring thing. And with also the inspector. to clue in the inspector and Witherspoon, like the ants are insane without having to straight up say my ants are insane because that would hurt their feelings. Right. It would. They Even are it's sweet. So true. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that when they're like, our gentlemen in the basement, he's like, none of mine in the attic are gentlemen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'll like mine better. You'll though. like mine better. But they do ultimately agree that everybody needs to be committed. Well, all of the Brewsters need to be committed. We'll draw an asterisk on that and come back to it. But this is where we do get Einstein sort of saving the day again, sort of. Which Peter Laurie giving an incredible performance in this little bit. Oh, for sure. He's Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, I just want to leave. I would like to leave. Oh, what? uh, Oh, what did they say? It was like, oh, are you leaving? Yes, please. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Um, Because he's trying to sneak out. They need a doctor to sign the ANSYS committal papers. And so, of course, Mortimer's like, Dr. Einstein. He's like, no, I'm going. And he's like, are you really sure you don't want to help me out? (laughs) And Einstein's like, yes, please. Yes, please. I will absolutely help you out. But he almost gets caught when the lieutenant starts reading off the the description. The framing of this shot, because you've got Einstein in the foreground. You've got the lieutenant behind him. You can see on the phone and he's reading off uh, the description of Jonathan's accomplice, you know, a man in his 40s, about 5'3", which is my height, actually. Wow, that's I'm five three. So Peter Lorre is as tall as me. He's short. He's very short. And then if you stick him right next to fake Boris Karloff, who's very it tall, just makes it so fake much Boris more Karloff. <laughs> so much more comedic. Yeah, he's so tall. Uh, or Raymond Massey's so tall. Uh, Peter Lorre's very short. But yeah, and then he's like uh, Popeyes. Uh, Einstein closes his eyes. <laughs> Um, speaks with a German accent. Einstein doesn't talk. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the inspector gets up, goes to Einstein, and thanks him for his help. <laughs> and he slips away into the night. I love when they're yeah. like, bye, Dr. Einstein. And he can't even say words. He's just like, please. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so relieved to have gotten away. And away from Johnny. Yes. 
he wanted out of that a lot. Oh, he so. for sure for like sure. got like it, that was an abusive relationship. He couldn't leave that. So, so as they are, we have four four people committed in various ways. Mm-hmm. The ants have one last reveal because Mortimer signs his next of kin, and they have a confession to make. He's, he's not a Brewster. He's not a Brewster. He's the son of one of their cooks. He's the one. He's the son of a sea cook. A sea cook. Because uh, their cook arrived pregnant, and then they were like, "She was so lovely, and like she was such a good cook. We didn't want to lose her, so brother married her." <laughs> good food is hard to come by. But, I mean, you do true. what you gotta do. True. I'm sure she was lovely. Yeah, but Mortimer's not a Brewster, and he is so thrilled. But also. The fact that he reacted so like in the complete opposite way to all of this insanity as the Brewsters did is just like hammering home the fact he was never a he Brewster. Never, but like he ever. so clearly was not a Brewster. No. And he's so happy about this. And I mean, even with Elaine, he's like, I'm so happy. I'm a son of a sea cook. <laughs> As he like runs away and yells, does, does he yell charge at the end as he's yeah, like running yes. with Elaine? He has Elaine house. still like, Elaine, oh, well, Elaine, Elaine has snuck stumbles into the so basement. Ele- oh, Elaine right. tries to get back to the chaos. Well, she comes back to the house. So maybe she's more Brewster than he is. I think so. <laughs> but she hears through the window the ant say the thing about the 13 bodies in the basement. So she freaking tenacious Elaine goes into the basement and like sees the bodies, comes up screaming and Mortimer does the like, like, uh, no, it's fine. Everything's fine thing, which are like, there's some sinister undertones to that based on society and history and not believing women. But okay, we're going to yeah. we're going to gloss he's, over that in this moment to make her shut up and what bodily I, carry. I do out. love when like the police are like, what is going on with that? And the answer like they're newlyweds. They're, they're newlyweds. just so in love. <laughs> Well, that was their explanation for why Mortimer was acting weird. Yes. It's oh my he's God. newly married. Yeah, after he's discovered that they're serial killers and they're like, Mortimer seems off today. Oh, it's because he's a newlywed. He's a newlywed. Men always get cold feet. And it's like, no. It's because you're a serial killer. It's because you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it ends with him and Elaine. He kind of carries her off and then they kiss. Um, and then the poor cabbie who's been waiting there all night is like, I'm a teapot. Because Mortimer, he says something to Mortimer and he's like, I'm not a whatever. I'm a son of a sea cook. Throws Elaine over his shoulder and goes, charge. Charge. Back to her Back house. Back to her house. Where it might be slightly less sane and there are at least no bodies in the cellar. <laughs> that we know of. That we know of. This movie's a delight. It's so fun. And it's chaos High energy, lots going on from like start to finish. It's so like, controlled though, because like every every beat has to work, right? Mm-hmm. And like all of, I mean, I think comedy, especially screwball comedy, is such a difficult genre because you have to have those near misses mm-hmm. to like ramp up tension and to like create the irony and the comedy. And this movie does it so incredibly well, but while making it seem very organic. Yeah, I think the layers of who knows what and when. <laughs> like interact with each other just so well. And that's what brings the comedy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it, the concept of like, everyone has skeletons in their basement. Even the like, <laughs> literally, nicest, even the nicest old ladies on the block in the nice part of Brooklyn or whatever, like they literally have 12 skeletons. Yeah. In their the nicest, sanest. Right. Old ladies that Elaine right. has ever met. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's glorious. I for me, this is a very fun departure from the standard scary fair that we do for Halloween. This is my style of scary fair. Same. I loved it. I would watch it again. Highly recommend. Same. I, th- I it is one that I watch most years around Halloween. I nice. absolutely love this movie. Um, so very much would recommend. Yeah, I think that's all of us. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think Maggie, you had sat me down to watch this before and I didn't remember how until, do you not remember oh, I wish I, I I'm bad about that unless I'm like watching a movie for this podcast and like taking notes and things I don't remember I've seen movies I just, that's kind of nice though because every time is the first time for you it is I can't relate because I will have seen a movie like once years and years and years ago and can recall a lot of weird detail about it see my brother's that way and I wish I were more that way, but it just doesn't happen. The part of the brain that most people use to like know directions 
is that's what my brain does <laughs> <is> instead. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the greatest at directions. <laughs> I'm actively bad at them. Like just actively bad. Um, thank goodness for turn by turn directions from your phone. But actually, um, yeah, so definitely watch Arsenic and Old Days. Highly recommend it. So much fun. Um, and next we'll be doing another Halloween comedy. Rocky Horror. Yeah. So join us next time as we do Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm excited uh, for that. That'll that be a good one. one. That'll be a really good one. And thank you so much, Sangeeta, for joining us for this Anytime. wonderful episode. Always yes. a delight. Um. Other than that, anything else we want to do? Plug social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Please geek out over Arsenic and Old Lace with us. Yes, we love that. Um, also, definitely check out like our other Halloween episodes. We mentioned a couple that Sangita have been on. In addition to that, we've done what? Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein. Original Psycho, original Halloween, original Mummy, Mummies. also 1999 yes. Mummy. Mm, Brandon Fraser. Um, and then now this. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, again, cool. join us for uh, Rocky Horror Picture show. And again, remember, charge up the <laughs> stairs. Edit that out. I will. <laughs> I literally fell up our stairs the other day, so I will not be charging up. Yeah. I missed a step. I heard this. <laughs> <laughs>